0: Welcome to a patient safety podcast from Crico. Crico is the patient safety and medical malpractice company owned by and serving the Harvard medical community since 1976.
1: In December of 1999, the Institute of Medicine shook the medical world with a report called To Err Is Human. It is often seen as the birth of the patient safety movement in America. The IOM reports claim that medical errors cause up to 100,000 deaths was a point of alarm and controversy. The figure comes directly from research conducted by Harvard School of Public Health adjunct professor and retired pediatric surgeon Lucian Leap. Dr. Leap is widely considered a pioneer, if not the father, of patient safety. In 2007, the National Patient Safety Foundation announced the formation of the Lucian Leap Institute as a think tank and advocate for safe patient care. Managing Editor Tom Agello recently sat down with Dr. Leap to reflect on the impact of the patient safety movement, its successes, and its disappointments. In the first of a series of excerpts, Lucian Leap shares his observations from a national vantage point
0: about a movement that continues to dominate his professional energies. Dr. Leap, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And uh, it is now 10 years past the IOM report, which in many ways was based on the research that uh, you did here at the School of Public Health. The basic question 10 years in is, are we any safer?
2: And the answer is yes. Not as much as we'd like, but clearly more than we were. I think there's no question we're we're safer. The Institute for Healthcare Improvement's 100,000 Lives campaign of several years ago showed a dramatic improvement. uh, Over 120,000 lives that they estimate were saved by implementing just six practices. And as a matter of fact, very few of the hospitals had implemented all six. They had implemented varying numbers of them. But that was a big impact, and all those gains have continued. We certainly have had some dramatic examples uh, where there have been uh, major improvements in safety. The most important of these is the uh, experience in Michigan with Peter Pronovos work on reducing central line infections and then later associated pneumonias.
0: Along those lines, as you think of the theory that you can't really solve a problem until you acknowledge it and you sort of look at it and pay attention to the problem, do we have a good handle on the, the, the distinction between system flaws and individual mistakes or negligence? Uh, is, is, are we getting a better assessment of what the problem is and how to fix these?
2: Well, I think we in the patient safety community have a good handle on that. And that is the, the people who are responsible for patient safety in hospitals and around the country, uh, I don't think they have any problem with this at all. However, uh, the public uh, is certainly far behind on their understanding and, and even more worrisome, the legal system. I think what's happened, though, that's much more positive is the emergence of, of the concept of a just culture. When we first began talking about patient safety, our emphasis was on getting people to quit punishing individuals when they made a mistake. And we said you should create a non-punitive culture for error. People translated that into a no-blame culture, which sort of was, in effect, it's okay to make mistakes, and we won't punish you. And they mixed it up with um, the problems related to taking responsibility and following safe practices. And so we have never said it's okay to do what you want. It's always a systems problem. What we've said is that errors are systems system problem, but they're very different from misconduct. What's the difference? Well, uh, I think that um, deliberately refusing to wash your hands before you see a patient. When that's the safe practice and that's the policy, I consider that misconduct. There should be consequences for that. On the other hand, forgetting to wash your hands when you walk in to see a patient is an error. So you don't punish for forgetting, but you certainly don't uh, accept uh, and tolerate Deliberate infractions, deliberate refusal to follow safe practice—you can't achieve safety if you if you tolerate that kind of conduct. So, a just culture doesn't punish for mistakes, but it
0: doesn't tolerate unsafe practice. Now, when you look at uh, the last ten years, um, what's been your greatest disappointment? It
2: has been really disappointing to those of us involved in this movement that um, the chief executive officers and the medical leaders of hospitals haven't owned this problem, haven't said this is something we've got to do something about. We have made a lot of progress in terms of moving beyond the denial. When we first started, people said, we don't believe that. We don't believe the numbers. You don't hear that anymore. I haven't heard anybody question the numbers for five years. Everybody knows we've got a problem. We also have moved on to the position that it's our problem that is hospitals now almost all have patient safety officers and patient safety program but we haven't taken the next step which has been to say and we're going to do this all out full stop simple case in point the national quality forum has carried on an extensive and outstanding process of identifying validating and recommending safe practices. And they have now certified through an elaborate process, which involves all the stakeholders, 34 safe practices that they say every hospital should implement. Not a single hospital in America, to my knowledge, has a plan, a strategic plan for implementing all 34. Most hospitals are implementing some. Some hospitals have implemented five or six of them. Very few hospitals have implemented even a majority of them. Why not? If these are things that we know will really make a difference in safety, shouldn't it be the first responsibility? First, do no harm. Shouldn't it be the first responsibility of hospitals to implement all these practices?
0: There was a recent study and survey of hospital board members about their sense of their uh, responsibility for patient safety, and it showed that less than half saw that as a top priority for them. They did see it as a measuring of the CEO performance, but not necessarily a a key board duty or a board role in patient safety. Do you see that, that this has to go up to that high level?
2: I think the boards are where much of the medical establishment was uh, 10 years ago. That is, they've just now been made aware of the fact that it is their responsibility. And the message is coming through loud and clear. I mean, there's no question from a legal standpoint the boards are responsible for safety. And the uh, hospital associations have suddenly wakened up to the fact that uh, they better get moving on this. And so there's a very major program to raise awareness and uh, ability, and I think we'll see a big change on that.
0: So where's the disconnect? You're saying that uh, we're not doing all we should be doing, that there are dozens of measures in the National Quality Forum uh, that no hospital's following. So if the boards are aware of their role there and setting the strategy and the priorities, um, where's it breaking down?
2: Well, first of all, This is an incredibly complex problem. (laughs) I mean, healthcare is the most complex industry ever invented by man. We're really saying that we have to move away from the model we've used for 100 years, which was individual practitioners doing their own thing in their own way and interacting with other individuals. And if everyone is an expert expert, things will work out all right. And what we find is it doesn't work out all right. And so this is a huge culture change. And of course, it's going to be difficult and go slow. My own belief is that the boards will not drive this any more than boards usually drive what happens in most corporations or banks. It's the leadership that does it. It's the CEOs, the executive committee, and the leadership. And in hospitals, that includes includes the physicians and the department chairman. And those are the people that have to uh, make these changes because they're the ones that have to to uh, interact with the people on the front line whose behavior they're expecting to change. Um, Are we still killing 100,000 patients a year? Oh I doubt it although maybe we are and it's 100,000 instead of (laughs) 200,000. That's sort of a perverse way of answering your question. I always thought our estimate was an underestimate. So my feeling is we've probably reduced it substantially, maybe by 20 or 30 percent, but it's still a big problem.
0: Thank you, Dr. Lucian Leap, adjunct professor of health policy at the Harvard School of Public Health. I'm Tom Agello. This has been a patient safety podcast from Crico. More information about CRICO and efforts at Harvard to deliver the safest health care in the world is available on our website at www.rmf.harvard.edu.